On behalf of the National Park Service and Rock Creek Park, we welcome you to a self-guided tour of Battleground National Cemetery. Located at 6625 Georgia Avenue Northwest, Battleground National Cemetery is one of nine Civil War installations under the stewardship of Rock Creek Park and serves as the final resting place for the majority of Union Civil War soldiers who perished while defending Washington during a Confederate attack on July 11th and 12th, 1864. On this tour, you will take an intimate look at the lives of the brave men who selflessly sacrificed their lives to save Washington, D.C., and learn of the numerous ways in which the cemetery pays homage to the individuals that are interred here. Like the two six-pounder smoothbore Civil War cannon that flank the gates of the cemetery, you will discover that everything located on this hallowed ground symbolically protects the sanctity of the soil and the story of the men who lay here. Before entering the grounds of the cemetery, stop for a moment and attempt to take a glimpse at the land as it was on the hot, stifling night of July 12, 1864. Georgia Avenue, which was then called the 7th Street Pike, was a wide, dirt-trodden road that served as a major thoroughfare that linked the federal city of Washington, D.C. to Southern Maryland. During the time of the Civil War, the road would have normally been bustling with cartloads of produce that was harvested from the local farms that lined both sides of the road. But on the night of July 12, 1864, there was no traffic. The green and fertile hillsides along the 7th Street Pike seemed abandoned and desolate. A quarter moon soared high into the night sky, shining a spectral light on the surrounding rural farmland. In front of you, stood a grove of fruit trees that the property's owner, a man named James Malloy, had planted. The only sounds that pierced the stillness of the night came from a clearing in the middle of the grove, where a small gathering of battle-weary soldiers of the Union Army Sixth Corps cut into the hard, sun-baked soil with shovels. For two days, they, their comrades, and the regiments that guarded Washington, D.C., heroically stopped and repelled a Confederate army that boldly attacked the nation's capital. Saving Washington, D.C. had come at a high price for 40 of their brothers-in-arms. As the men of the Sixth Corps dug the graves, their minds echoed with the sounds of cannon fire and musket shot that had deafened the landscape just hours before. The thin wisps of gun smoke on the battlefield had disappeared, but the smell of gunpowder still lingered in the air and on their clothes. They were parched with thirst, and the nearby spring on Mr. Malloy's property tempted the men to take a quick respite from their task and take a long drink of the cool, clear water that bubbled up from the deep depths of the ground. A lone carriage drove up on the scene. In it, was President Abraham Lincoln. Earlier that day, the President had watched their efforts which saved Washington, and, more than likely, he saw some of the men who were about to be buried die on the soil of the nation's capital. As the forty men were gently laid into the cool depths of the ground, Lincoln spoke softly about the men and dedicated the gravesite as hallowed ground. 
I dedicate this spot as the Battleground National Cemetery. With Lincoln's simple and heartfelt acknowledgement, James Malloy's Little Apple Orchard was forever changed. Then, the president quietly got back into his carriage and rode away. The story of Battleground National Cemetery and its interred soldiers are a unique chapter in the annals of Civil War history. The men who are buried at the cemetery are the majority of those that were killed while defending Washington, D.C. during the Battle of Fort Stevens. Spearheaded by Confederate General Jubal Anderson Early, the two-day battle was the only battle that took place in Washington during the Civil War and is most famously known as the battle in which President Abraham Lincoln stood on the parapet of Fort Stevens and came under direct fire from Confederate sharpshooters. The Battle of Fort Stevens marks the only time in American history in which an acting president came under fire from an enemy combatant. But President Lincoln had survived the battle. Sadly, others did not. Once the battle had concluded, the grim duty of collecting the dead began. It was decided to lay the fallen heroes of Washington on the battlefield as a permanent symbol and reminder of the sacrifices given by these men who saved the capital city. But who were these men that were laid to rest here on the battlefield? Where did they come from? What did they do for a living prior to the Civil War? More importantly, what compelled these men to put on a uniform and dare to sacrifice all to defend this nation at a time of great division, desperation, and despair. To begin to unravel these questions about the men who are buried at Battleground National Cemetery, enter through the gates of the cemetery and stop at the first stone monument that is located to your left. As one travels along Georgia Avenue, whether by car or by foot, the four stone monuments that grace the front of the cemetery call out the deeds of the regiments that saved Washington and the men that died during the battle. Placed here in the early 1900s by the veterans of the battle, the monuments reflect almost a third of the men that are buried here. Standing closest to the entrance gate, is the monument for one of the very first regiments that encountered Jubal Early's army. It is dedicated to the 25th New York Cavalry. Having no need for their horses during the battle, the 25th New York Cavalry were sent out onto the battlefield in the unaccustomed role as infantrymen. The men of this regiment would be some of the first to fall during the battle, but not the last. Sergeant Alfred C. Starbird, Company A, 25th New York Cavalry, Wayne County, Pennsylvania, age 31, Carpenter, grave number 33. Private Elijah Huffleton, Company A, 25th New York Cavalry, New York State, age 28, Farmer, grave 17. Private Jeremiah Maloney, Company K, 25th New York Cavalry, Cork, Ireland, age 21, Baker, grave number 34. Sergeant Thomas Richardson, Company B, 25th New York Cavalry, Ireland, age 24, grave number 35. 
Aside from being the first to fall during the Battle of Fort Stevens, the individuals of the 25th New York Cavalry also reflect the diversity of those that fought in the Battle of Fort Stevens. Take Sergeant Alfred C. Starbird, for example. Sergeant Starbird is the tallest man buried at the cemetery. Standing at six feet two, his tall frame would have been an imposing sight to see on horseback. But his height would have been a great disadvantage for him during the battle. With only a few trees and patches of scrub brush to use for cover, there would have been very few places for Starbird to find a safe spot on the battlefield, making him an easy target for the Confederate sharpshooters. Records indicate Sergeant Starbird was shot through the heart and died instantly on the battlefield. Two of Starbird's companions, Private Jeremiah Maloney and Sergeant Thomas Richardson, were men that were not born in America, but still heeded the call to defend and preserve their adopted nation. Jeremiah Maloney was a baker from Cork, Ireland, who could not read or write. When it came time for Maloney to sign his name on his enlistment papers, he simply placed his mark, an X, for his signature. Tragically, Maloney had just begun his military career only two months earlier, and the Battle of Fort Stevens would be his first and only time in combat. Thomas Richardson, however, was a man who knew a lot about the Civil War. Prior to serving with the 25th New York Cavalry, Richardson was part of the 3rd United States Infantry. While serving with that regiment, Richardson fought diligently for the Union at the battles of Manassas, Antietam, and Chancellorsville. On June 11, 1863, just three weeks before the pivotal Battle of Gettysburg, Richardson was mustered out of service and he returned to a civilian life. Then, Citizen Richardson, free of his obligation to the Union Army, made his way to Brooklyn, New York, and took on the profession of a servant. Seven months later, Thomas Richardson quit his job, and for reasons known only to him, once again donned a soldier's uniform. It is uncertain to say what compelled this man, who was free of the Civil War, to once again join the fight. All that can be said about Richardson's motivations is that apparently the life of servitude was not for him. Joining Jeremiah Maloney and Thomas Richardson at the cemetery are five other men that traveled across the Atlantic from the Emerald Isle and put on the Union Blue. Private John Davidson, Company F, 43rd New York Infantry, Ireland, age 32, Carpenter, grave number 3. Private Patrick Lovett, 37th Massachusetts Infantry, formerly of the 10th Massachusetts Infantry, age 39, laborer, Ireland, grave number 12. Private John Dolan, Company D, 2nd Massachusetts Cavalry, Galway, Ireland, age 21, shoemaker, grave number 27. Private Andrew Manning, Company H, 77th New York Infantry, Temporary, Ireland, age 38, laborer, grave 29. Private John Kennedy, Company C, 122nd New York Infantry, Ireland, age 34, farmer, grave number 13.
Located two monuments down from the 25th New York Cavalry's monument is the stone monument dedicated to Private John Kennedy and his regiment, the 122nd New York Infantry. The 122nd New York was part of the Union Army 6th Corps, a massive relief force sent from the Union Siege Works in Petersburg, Virginia to aid in the defense of the federal city during Early's Confederate assault. Missing the majority of the first day of the battle because they were in transit, the 6th Corps was instrumental in repulsing Early's forces from Washington, D.C. on the second day of the battle. Carved into the sides of the monument are the names of the wounded and killed that the regiment suffered during the Battle of Fort Stevens. The names on the monument are a testament to the fierce fighting that had once occurred on this land. In addition to Private Kennedy, four more members of the 122nd New York Infantry are interred here. Private John Bentley, Company B, 122nd New York Infantry, England, age 41, farmer, grave number four. Private David Hogaboom, Company E, 122nd New York Infantry, New Scotland, New York, age 35, grave number 16. Private Allenson Mosier, Company C, 122nd New York Infantry, Manlius, New York, Farmer, age 20, grave number 32. Completing the roll call for the 122nd New York Infantry is Harvey P.B. Chandler. Private Chandler holds the distinction of being the youngest member of the honored dead that is buried at the cemetery. Born and raised in Sullivan, New York, a sleepy little community that is located not far from one of New York State's Finger Lakes, Chandler enlisted into the 122nd on February 22, 1864, George Washington's birthday. Just five months later after his enlistment, this young man's brief life was snuffed out while defending the nation's capital. He was only 18 years old. Private Harvey P.B. Chandler, Company C, 122nd New York Infantry, Sullivan, New York, Farmer, Grave Number 37. To the right of the 122nd New York Infantry's monument is the stone monument commemorating the 98th Pennsylvania Infantry, another regiment that served with the 6th Corps. The 98th was mostly comprised of men of Germanic lineage. Like the 122nd's monument, the names of their wounded and fallen have been carved onto the sides of the monument. Four of the names of the fallen that are forever etched onto this stone can be found here. Three of the four shared a unique bond. George Marquette, Bernard Hurl, and Frederick Walther all came from the southern province of Wurttemberg, Germany. It cannot be determined if these men were related in some way, or even if they knew each other before they enlisted into the 98th. What is known about these three men who were born over 3,000 miles away from America's shores, is that they all enlisted within two weeks of each other in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in September of 1861. Sergeant George Marquette, Company E, 98th Pennsylvania Infantry, Wurttemberg, Germany, 
age 30, butcher, grave number 7. Private Bernard Hurler, Company C, 98th Pennsylvania Infantry, Württemberg, Germany, age 46, farmer, grave number 23. Private Frederick Walter, Company B, 98th Pennsylvania Infantry, Württemberg, Germany, age 29, farmer, grave number 10. The fourth member of the 98th, Charles Seahouse, enlisted on December 23, 1863, two days before the Christmas holiday. Private Charles Seahouse, Company K-98, Pennsylvania Infantry, Waldeck, Germany, age 29, stonecutter, grave 24. In addition to the members of the 98th, one other German immigrant, as well as a Canadian, can be found on this hallowed ground. Corporal William Rule, Company E, 49th New York Infantry, Prussia, age 25, Mulder, grave 22. Corporal George W. Farrar, Company G, 43rd New York Infantry, Bedford, Canada, age 27, Potter, grave number 8. At the end of the row of monuments stands the memorial stone for the 150th Ohio National Guard, also known as the 150th Ohio Volunteer Infantry. If you had been a member of this regiment, particularly Company K, you would have been stationed at Fort Stevens during the battle and would have seen President Lincoln coming under fire from the Confederate sharpshooters. The 150th ONG lost only one soldier, a student from Overland College, 20-year-old Private William Leach. Private Leach died on July 13th, a full day after the battle, from wounds that he had received. Since he died after the battle and not on the battlefield, Private Leach is not buried at the cemetery. Nevertheless, the sacrifice of Private Leach and the bravery and determination exhibited by the 150th ONG earned the regiment its well-deserved place of recognition at Battleground National Cemetery. Elsewhere in the cemetery, the 150th ONG are also paid a more subtle tribute for their participation in the battle. It can be found behind the graves, along the east wall of the cemetery, in the form of the concrete and marble rostrum. The rostrum was placed at the cemetery in the early 1870s. The four pillars of the rostrum stand in memory of the four volunteer companies that were inside Fort Stevens during Early's assault. The Quartermaster's Corps, Veterans Reserve Corps, Convalescent Soldiers, and the 150th Ohio National Guard. But the focal point of honorariums that have been bestowed upon the men are located at the center and outer perimeter of the graves themselves. As you make your way to the flagpole from the 150th ONG monument, you will see three bronze plaques painted black that have been mounted around the perimeter of the graves. On these plaques are words to a poem known as the Bivouac of the Dead. The poem was written in 1847 by Theodore O'Hara, and the endearing lines of the poem 
fittingly some of the words of appreciation for the men buried here and the heroic deeds they accomplished. The muffled drums, sad roll has beat, the soldier's last tattoo. No more on life's parade shall meet that brave and fallen few. On fame's eternal camping ground, their silent tents are spread, and glory guards with solemn round the bivouac of the dead. Rest on, embalmed and sainted dead, dear as the blood ye gave. No impious footstep here shall tread the herbage of your grave. Once you have arrived at the flagpole, stop for a moment and examine the intricate detail given to the flagpole itself. The flagpole stands at a regulation 50 feet high and is adorned with a gold ball on its top. Throughout the day and the changing seasons, the shadow of the American flag will briefly and symbolically rest on each of the graves. The base of the flagpole is composed of three sections. At the bottom of the base are upside-down torches that symbolize the lives of these men that were tragically extinguished. The middle section comprises eight acanthus leaves painted black with four festoons also painted black that have ribbons between each one, symbolizing the mourning of the men. Circling the top of the base are four silver eagles with crests on their breasts and outstretched wings. The eagles have been arranged in such a fashion so that each soldier will always be facing our national emblem. The three sections of the base are bound together with metal straps that have been formed to look like braided rope, uniting the sentiments of loss, mourning, and patriotism. For the graves themselves, white marble headstones indicate the grave number, the soldier's name, and the state of the regiment he was part of. The headstones were set here in the early 1870s to replace the original wooden markers. Through the use of personal and military records, many intimate details can be found about these men who are buried at the cemetery. No more are they just names on cold marble stones. Once again, the embers of their lives are rekindled. Before donning the uniform and serving their duty, the soldiers interred at the cemetery walked various paths of life. For some of the men at the cemetery, it seems fitting that they were laid to rest in James Malloy's orchard. For like Mr. Malloy, they too were farmers. Private Russell Stevens, Company D, 3rd, Vermont Infantry, Brighton, Vermont, age 20, grave number 21. Private John Paquette, Company F. 7th Maine Infantry, Bath, Maine, age 19, grave 38. Private William Gillette, Company D, 49th New York Infantry, New York State, age 22, grave number 39. In addition to the farmers, the roll call of the cemetery is a veritable who's who of professions, trades, and skills. 32-year-old Private Matthew J. DeGraff who was buried at grave number one, was a clerk from Esopus, New York, 
and was part of the 43rd New York Infantry. 22-year-old Sergeant John Milton Richards of the 139th Pennsylvania Infantry was a teacher. He is buried at grave number 40. 35-year-old William Holtzman, located at grave number 20, was formerly a plasterer before enlisting into the 93rd Pennsylvania Infantry. 30-year-old Andrew J. Dowen, a private in the 77th New York Infantry, was a stonemason and is buried at grave number 31. In the same regiment as Private Dowen was a 27-year-old mechanic. Private Alvarado Mowry, grave 18. At grave number 25 is 33-year-old Corporal Ambrose Matot. I was a boatman who plied along the canals of the Hudson River prior to the Civil War. At grave number 30 is 27-year-old Corporal Edwin C. Barrett of the 43rd New York Infantry. Barrett was a cooper by profession, and when he enlisted into the 43rd on August 1, 1861, he patriotically put down as his place of birth simply as the United States. It was almost fitting that Barrett and his regiment participated in the Battle of Fort Stevens, for he and the 43rd New York Infantry helped build the defenses of Washington in the beginning days of the Civil War. Tragically, had Corporal Barrett survived the Battle of Fort Stevens, he would have been mustered out of service just 19 days later. Throughout the ages, historians, researchers, and the general public have coined the Civil War as the Brothers' War. The tides of political, social, and moral beliefs ripped countless families asunder as blood relatives fought on both sides of the war. But in most cases, the Brothers' War strengthened the bonds of families as fathers, sons, and brothers enlisted together and served alongside each other. This devotion to country and family is epitomized at grave number 36 at the cemetery. Grave number 36 is the resting place of Private John Ellis of the 61st Pennsylvania Infantry. His story is one of a family united, divided, and reunited one last time for the battle of Fort Stevens. Following the lead from his three brothers, John Ellis enlisted into military service on February 3, 1864, and was fortunate to become a member of a regiment that two of his three brothers were serving in, the 61st Pennsylvania Infantry. One of the three brothers, Orlando, was wounded numerous times, had his arm amputated, and after serving as a prisoner of war, he was mustered out of service. Asaph Ellis, who was also part of the 61st, was more fortunate than Orlando and did his best to protect and guard John as best he could from the hardships and rigors of war. John's third brother, Horace, served with the 7th Wisconsin Infantry and periodically engaged in battle alongside his brothers. Although Horace was part of a different regiment, fate and the Civil War always seemed to place the brothers side by side on the battlefield. In May of 1864, John, Asaph, and Horace were laying siege to the town of Petersburg, Virginia, 
in the nearby Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia. However, Horace was wounded and was sent to Washington, D.C. to recover from his wounds. Just two months later, John and Asaph arrived in Washington to aid in the Battle of Fort Stevens as part of the Sixth Corps Relief Force. Horace, still recovering from his wounds, fled the hospital that he was recovering in to fight alongside his brothers once again. Sadly, this would be the last time that the three brothers would ever be together alive. John Ellis, the youngest member of this brave family, was killed in action during the early hours of July 12, 1864, along with five other members of the 61st Pennsylvania Infantry. Private Philip Bowen, Company A, age 34. I was a carpenter from Center County, Pennsylvania. Grave number 14. Private Andrew Ashbaugh, Company H, age 43. I was two days short of completing one year of service. Grave 26. H. McIntyre, civilian camp follower. Although I was not officially a member of the 61st Pennsylvania Infantry, I was posthumously given the honorary rank of private for my actions on the battlefield during the Battle of Fort Stevens. Grave number 15. Second Lieutenant William Laughlin, age 28, farmer. I was a prisoner of war from May 1862 to August 1862. I am also the only officer killed during the Battle of Fort Stevens that was buried at Battleground National Cemetery. Grave number 28. Corporal Edward Garvin, Company J, age 33. Previously misidentified as Private George Garvin, grave number 11. Private John Ellis, Company A, 61st. Pennsylvania Infantry, Clearfield County, Pennsylvania, age 19, labor, grave number 36. As the roll call continues of the cemetery's honored dead, it becomes obvious that there were many heroic and horrific events that occurred during the Battle of Fort Stevens. Whether the soldiers that participated in the battle were grizzled veterans of the war or new recruits, each soldier knew that they could not ignore the call of duty even if it meant that they themselves would be killed. For one of the soldiers buried at Battleground National Cemetery, this call to duty to save Washington, D.C. was so overpowering that it seems that nothing could have kept him off the battlefield that day. What's amazing about this man's dedication to duty is that his records indicate that he was probably already dying long before the Battle of Fort Stevens ever occurred. His name was George W. Gorton, and he is buried at grave number six. Of the estimated 623,000 soldiers that died in the Civil War, almost two out of three died due to illness and disease and not from combat. Malaria, smallpox, measles, pneumonia, tuberculosis, and dysentery crippled both Union and Confederate soldiers alike throughout the war. Because of this, by 1864, Washington, D.C. had been transformed 
into one of the largest Union field hospitals in the nation. By the thousands, the sick, diseased, and dying were brought to this city to either recover from their sufferings or to die. During the first day of the Battle of Fort Stevens, July 11, 1864, the Union Army Sixth Corps was still too far away from the city to help. Because of this, Washington, D.C. was forced to ask the infirmed men in the hospitals to once again heed the call to duty. Placing duty ahead of their help, thousands of these men limped, hobbled, and crawled from their hospital beds and headed northward to defend the city against Jubal Early's army. In the midst of these sick and dying men was Corporal George W. Gordon of the 1st Rhode Island Cavalry. Sadly, as gallantly as the men of the hospitals fought under the hot July sun, the battle would take its toll on the convalescent soldiers, including Corporal Gordon. Corporal George W. Gordon, Company D, 1st Rhode Island Cavalry, transferred to the Veterans Reserve Corps April 1864, hospitalized May 1864 until called forth to Fort Stevens on July 11th, age 19, grave number 6. Of the four remaining men who were buried here on the night of July 12, 1864, little can be found in the ways of military records to give us a personal look at their lives. However, ongoing efforts by researchers continue to bring the stories of Mark Stoneham, E.S. Bavitt, C.S. Crest, and William Trey to life as well. One tantalizing fact that is known about one of these four men is that he is not a soldier at all. He was a civilian who joined ranks with government employees, teamsters, and laborers to aid in the battle. Although it may never be determined which of these men is the citizen combatant, it is fitting to know that he lies in a well-deserved place of honor with the other heroes that saved Washington, D.C. On a cold, rainy March day in the year of 1936, Edward Campbell, the last surviving Union veteran of the Battle of Fort Stevens, was laid to rest at Battleground National Cemetery. Having participated in the Battle of Fort Stevens, Campbell and all other Union veterans of the battle had earned the right to be buried here. However, Campbell would be the only one to request this honored post. Edward Campbell's story of the Battle of Fort Stevens and his connection to Battleground National Cemetery is one of the most personal stories that can be told of a Civil War veteran. He was not just a participant of the Battle of Fort Stevens. Edward Campbell was also part of the burial detail that laid the soldiers to rest on this hallowed ground on July 12, 1864. In July of 1935, eight months before his death, Edward Campbell recounted that somber moment when after the Battle of Fort Stevens had ended, he was assigned to lay his comrades to rest. I was sent back to bury the dead. 
We picked them up from where they lay, scattered over the field, most of them killed by sharpshooters. We had just about finished the job, and who do you suppose came driving up? It was Lincoln. I'll always remember what Lincoln looked like and what he said. He looked sad. He didn't say anything for a minute. We all stopped working. Mr. Lincoln held up his hand and said, I dedicate this spot as the Battleground National Cemetery. Then the president and his aides rode away. At the war's end, Edward Campbell continued his military service and eventually reached the rank of a major in the United States Army. After retiring from the Army, Campbell wanted to remain close to his comrades at the cemetery and worked in Washington, D.C. as a clerk in the pension office until 1915. In 1871, Campbell saw a superintendent's lodge built at the cemetery, onto which the words to the Gettysburg Address are mounted. The lodge housed a caretaker named Augustus Armbrecht. Sadly, Mr. Armbrecht suffered his own losses at the cemetery, as his wife, Sarah, and three of his children, John, Kate, and Gus, died during his solemn vigil over the fallen forty men. In honor of his diligence to the men of the cemetery, Mr. Armbrecht's wife and children were also interred at the cemetery, behind graves 28 and 29. For years after the Civil War had ended, the veterans of the battle would gather at the cemetery to reminisce about the battle and the brave men who did not survive. During these gatherings, gentle, lilting music would emanate from the rostrum as ceremonial bands played tunes that transported the veterans back to those two fateful days in July of 1864. But as the years went by, the ranks of the veterans of the Battle of Fort Stevens began to dwindle, and the reunions at the cemetery eventually came to an end. By 1936, Edward Campbell had become the last of these great men. In March of 1936, Edward Campbell's last wish was honored and the last veteran of the Battle of Fort Stevens was laid to rest at Battleground National Cemetery. Almost 72 years after the Battle of Fort Stevens had concluded, the roll call of Battleground National Cemetery was finally complete. Major Edward R. Campbell, United States Army, retired, formerly a private of the 2nd Vermont Infantry, 2nd Division of the Union Army 6th Corps, Age, 92. Grave, number 41. Battleground National Cemetery has the distinction of being one of the nation's smallest national cemeteries, with only 41 soldiers interred here. Like the larger and more well-known Arlington National Cemetery, located across the Potomac River, here you will find the remains of individuals who bravely answered the call to protect and defend this nation in a time of peril. They came from five different countries. They walked the paths of 15 different occupations. They served with regiments from seven different states. They 
were soldiers. All of them were heroes. On July 23, 1864, just 11 days after these brave men were buried, James Malloy, the original property owner to this land, objected to the use of his land being seized by the government and developed into a graveyard. Mr. Malloy filed damages against the quartermaster's department, claiming that the remains of the fallen had contaminated his spring, making the property unsuitable for homesteading. Four years later, on August 1, 1868, Malloy was awarded $2,650.35 by the U.S. government for the loss of his land. It was a small price to pay to leave this final resting place undisturbed for these men of valor. Today, the area around Battleground National Cemetery has been developed, commercialized, and paved over. Little remains of the battlefield in which these brave men died upon, save this one-acre plot of land and the nearby Rock Creek Valley. Although the voices of the men buried at Battleground National Cemetery were forever silenced long, long ago, the stories of their lives and their sacrifices still echo along the corridors of Washington, D.C. and throughout America. Their silent vigil protecting Washington, D.C. and its history continues. On behalf of the National Park Service, we thank you for participating in Rock Creek Park's self-guided tour of Battleground National Cemetery and encourage you to visit the other Civil War installations that Rock Creek Park proudly preserves and protects as lessons from the past for future generations. Additional information on Battleground National Cemetery, Fort Stevens, and the other defenses of Washington can be obtained at the Rock Creek Park Nature Center. The Nature Center is located at 5200 Glover Road Northwest and is open Wednesdays through Sundays, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Feel free to call us at 202-895-6070 or visit us on the web at www.nps.gov slash ROCR.